0: Part 5, Chapter 3 of The Life of Florence Nightingale, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life of Florence Nightingale, Volume 2 by Edward Tias Cook. Setting Reformers to Work. Continued Parts 4 and 5 In India itself, advance, with Sir John Lawrence at the helm, was rapid. The president and the secretary of each sanitary commission were required to devote their whole attention to the work they were charged to consider and afford advice and assistance in all matters relative to the health of the army and to supervise the gradual introduction of sanitary improvements in barracks hospitals and stations as well as in towns in proximity to military stations of every step taken miss nightingale was kept informed sir john wrote to her frequently to report progress he described to her the condition of all the stations he had inspected on his way up to Simla. He applied to her for information on special points. His private secretary, Dr. Hathaway, who also had seen Miss Nightingale before he left England, wrote yet more fully and frequently. The president of the Bengal Commission was Mr. Strachey. He too had made Miss Nightingale's acquaintance, and they corresponded at great length dr j p walker a surgeon in the indian army was in england in december eighteen sixty three he wrote to miss nightingale as a devoted follower of her school he went out to india was appointed secretary of the bengal commission and at every stage consulted her and reported to her mr r j ellis president of the madras commission and dr Leith, president of the bombay one also corresponded with her to any official in india from the governor-general downwards who was ready to listen miss nightingale had much to say the correspondence with sir john lawrence is the most interesting sir john lawrence to miss nightingale simla june twelfth eighteen sixty four it was truly kind of you to write and give me so nice an account of my children what an exciting time must garibaldi's visit to england have been he is indeed a noble fellow and fully worthy of all our sympathies i only trust that he will be persuaded to keep quiet and bide his time a good day for his country if the people only deserve it must surely come I am doing what I can to put things in order out here, but it is a very uphill work and many influences have to be managed and overcome i often think of the last visit i paid you before leaving england and of your conversation on that occasion you will recollect how much i dwelt on the difficulties which meet one on every side these have been exemplified in a way i could scarcely understand or anticipate by the good folks of england really believing that i had sanctioned an attack on the religion of the hindus because i desire to improve the health of the people in calcutta miss nightingale to sir john lawrence thirty two south street september twenty sixth eighteen sixty four my dear sir john lawrence i always feel it a kind of presumption in me to write to you and a kind of wonder at your permitting it i always feel that you are the greatest figure in history and yours the greatest work in history in modern times but that is my very reason we have but one sir john lawrence your bengal sanitary commission is doing its work like men like martyrs in fact and what a work it is all we have in europe is mere child's play to it health is the product of civilization that is of real civilization in europe we have a kind of civilization to proceed upon in india your work represents not only diminished mortality as with us but increase of energy increase of power of the populations i always feel as if god had said mankind is to create mankind in this sense you are the greatest creator of mankind in modern history would there be any impropriety in your sanitary commission sending copies of their printed minutes to the barrack and hospital improvement commission here through the india office merely for information as far as your bengal commission goes these men don't want urging they have not now to be taught anything which might even appear to interfere with the responsibilities of your commissions unless at their own request is not only undesirable but as far as the bengal commission is concerned useless but if you saw no objection to sending the minutes for information to the war office commission here i am sure they would very much like it or if that would be too formal and official as regards the india office here if they the minutes might be sent to me with permission to show them to one or two such as lord stanley our late chairman of the royal commission dr sutherland and captain galton of the war office etc it would answer the same purpose the india office here does not show now the least jealousy of the barrack and hospital war office commission on the contrary one can scarcely help smiling at the small things it is glad to throw off its responsibility for upon said commission there are three glaring though lesser evils in calcutta about which i know you have been employed lesser though they are and your attention and dr hathaway's have been aroused by them these are one the police hospitals or state of hospital accommodation for sick poor at calcutta the police establishments seem about as bad as possible indeed the poor wretches are brought in mostly to die the parisian system of relief is very good every police station at paris has means of temporary help in cases of emergency until the sufferers can be removed to hospital some such arrangement with a thorough reform of the hospitals and such additional accommodation as may be wanted might meet calcutta's case Two, the condition of gaols and lunatic asylums in india certainly it is not for me to draw your attention or dr hathaway's to this probably he knows more about them than any man living the reports and recommendations of one or two of the jail inspectors show that they want experience as i am sure dr hathaway will agree with me perhaps we might help you by sending out such reports on the subject as may be useful three the seamen at the great ports you have already done so much but rome can't be built in a day bad water bad food bought in bazaars and bad drinks cause a vast amount of disease and death self-supporting institutions such as our sailors homes of which indeed i believe you have already founded more than one would give the men wholesome food and drink and lodgings and day-rooms at little cost so many men perish for want of this kind of accommodation at calcutta where the evil seems greatest it seems to me so base to be writing while you are doing oh that i could come out to calcutta and organize at least the hospital accommodation for the poor wretches in the streets there is nothing i should like so much but it is nonsense to wish for what is an impossibility i am sure you will be glad to hear that one of my lifelong wishes viz., the nursing of workhouse infirmaries by proper nurses is about to be fulfilled by the munificence of a liverpool man who actually gives twelve hundred pounds a year for the object but desires not to be named we undertake next month the liverpool workhouse infirmary of one thousand beds the first workhouse that ever has been nursed with fifteen head nurses trained by ourselves and a lady volunteer matron who underwent a most serious course of training at our nurses school at st thomas hospital fifteen assistants and fifty-two ex pauper women whom we are to train as nurses i am sure it is not for us to talk of civilization for i have seen in our english workhouse infirmaries neglect cruelty and malversation such as can scarcely be surpassed in semi-barbarous countries and it was then i felt i must found a school for nurses for workhouses etc the opportunity has come too late for me to do the workhouse nursing myself but so it is well done we care not how i think with the greatest satisfaction upon your reunion with lady lawrence and some of your children god bless you i am yours devotedly florence nightingale p s the calcutta municipality does not seem yet to have wakened up to a sense of its existence it does not know that it exists much less what it exists for still you are conquering india anew by civilization taking possession of the empire for the first time by knowledge instead of by the sword f n the commander-in-chief in india sir hugh rose lord strathnarn was hardly less helpful in the cause than the governor-general the war office had sent to him through the horse guards a letter inviting his attention to the regimental recommendations in the royal commission's report his reply was most sympathetic and his period of command was marked amongst other things by two reforms specially near to miss nightingale's desires he introduced regimental workshops and soldiers gardens in cantonments the war office forwarded his letter to miss nightingale it is quite worth while she wrote in reply august eleventh eighteen sixty four all that has been suffered to have this letter from sir hugh rose and i forgive everybody everything i sing for joy every day she had written previously june sixth at sir john lawrence's government she made public thanksgiving to the social science congress at edinburgh in october eighteen sixty three she had contributed a paper entitled how people may live and not die in india in which she gave in concise and popular form a resume of the royal commission's report the reading of her paper had been followed by three cheers for florence nightingale she now august eighteen sixty four republished the paper with a preface in which as it were she gave three chairs for sir john lawrence she described how the commissions of health had been appointed in india and how they had now been put in possession of all the more recent results of sanitary works and measures which had been of use at home then she turned to the military authorities and described how several of the worst personal causes of ill-health to which the soldier was in former times exposed have been or are being removed the men she wrote have begun to find out that it is better to work than to sleep and drink even during the heat of the day one regiment marching into a station where cholera had been raging for two years were chaffed by the regiments marching out and told they would never come out of it alive the men of the entering battalion answered they would see we won't have cholera they think and they made gardens with such good effect that they had the pleasure not only of eating their own vegetables but of being paid for them too by the commissariat and this in a soil which no regiment had been able to cultivate before and not a man had cholera these good soldiers fought against disease too by workshops and gymnasia she gave account of trades savings banks games libraries noting what had been done and what yet remained to be done in the meantime the regulation two drams have been reduced to one a legislative act imposes a heavy fine or imprisonment on the illicit sale of spirits near cantonments where there are recreation rooms refreshments prices all marked are spread on a nice clean table all these things which in eighteen sixty four were new or exceptional became in later years well established and the rule the main causes of disease among the army in india were however as miss nightingale went on to say want of drainage want of proper water supply want of proper barracks and hospitals but in these respects she had set the reformers to a work which has continued from that day to this there was indeed some criticism at the start but this touched only the past and did not seriously affect the future indian officials felt aggrieved as i have already said at the strictures contained in the report of the royal commission and this movement came to a head in two documents one a counter-report by dr Leith, the chairman of the bombay sanitary commission october eighteen sixty four the other a dispatch december eighth from the government of india sir john lawrence on an important point dissenting lord stanley thought that dr leath ought to be answered at once and wrote to miss nightingale october twenty five for her advice on the subject she suggested that the answer should be sent in the form of a report on dr leath's letter by the barrack and hospital improvement commission an ingenious plan as it gave opportunity to that expert body for giving further advice to one of the presidency commissions miss nightingale and dr sutherland drafted the report which was adopted by the commission on january sixth eighteen sixty five i have pleasure wrote lord stanley to her december twenty sixth in sending back the draft reply to dr Leith with only one or two verbal amendments suggested it seems to me well done moderate in tone and conclusive in argument a reply to the indian government's dispatch signed by lord stanley dr farr and dr sutherland was sent on may twenty miss nightingale in her eagerness was much annoyed by these criticisms and lord stanley often told her that she made too much of what were only temporary ebullitions don't be discouraged dear miss nightingale he wrote january twenty two when the government of india's dispatch arrived the practical work may go on while the controversy is proceeding my idea of the matter is that the indian authorities only want time to set things a little in order that they are willing to mend but not inclined to give us the credit of having first put them in the right way that is human nature lord stanley was a true prophet the indian authorities did mend and so successfully has the work been carried out by a long line of commanders administrators and engineers that the death rate from preventable disease among the british army in india has fallen far below the figure which the royal commission named as a council of perfection Five in this work of salvation miss nightingale was for many years to play a part as consultant and sometimes as inspirer in november eighteen sixty four the governor-general in council intimated his readiness to consider a scheme for the employment of nurses in military hospitals and thereupon the bengal sanitary commission requested miss nightingale to aid them by her advice she wrote in collaboration with sir john mcneill a comprehensive series of suggestions in the following february throughout the year eighteen sixty five miss nightingale was engaged from time to time in indian sanitary business and her house served as headquarters for the sanitary reformers mr ellis the president of the madras commission came home in the middle of the year in order to study sanitary reforms in this country miss nightingale invited him to use her rooms sent dr sutherland to accompany him on visits of inspection to hospitals and barracks arranged meetings between him and lord stanley conferred with him on changes which sir john lawrence was proposing to make in the constitution of the presidency commissions the governor-general himself communicated with her freely on the same subject the secretary of the bengal commission applied to her for information on trustworthy tests for the discovery of organic matter in water being unable to obtain what was wanted from dr parks she applied to dr angus smith inventor of an air test also who wrote a pamphlet for her on the subject it was printed at her expense she had it approved by the war office sanitary committee and a large number of copies was distributed throughout india she had impressed upon the governor-general the importance of stirring up the indian municipalities the indian towns municipal improvement bill eighteen sixty five was submitted for her criticism and she wrote a note on the relations which should exist between the powers of raising and spending taxes proposed to be granted to local authorities and the proper execution of sanitary works and measures in india her friend sir charles trevelyan retired from the post of financial minister in india in eighteen sixty five and she made the acquaintance of his successor mr w n massey she was very jubilant when she got a vote of seven millions for my indian barracks she was depressed when the governor-general wrote to her from time to time saying that the great obstacle in the way of speedier reform was want of money but she made excuses for her hero sir john lawrence she wrote to madame mole march twenty eighteen sixty five is just as much hampered with the horse guards out there as i am here he is always writing to me to apologize for the little progress he makes by the very last mail he says i shall think him timid and perhaps even time-serving i could not help laughing certainly sir j lawrence is the only man who ever called sir j lawrence a time-server except in the highest possible sense of serving his country at her greatest time of need in the highest possible way she was constantly corresponding with lord stanley urging him to win points for her from the indian secretary i have just seen sir charles wood wrote lord stanley february ten he agrees as to the expediency of sending home a yearly report of the sanitary stations in each presidency pray never speak of being troublesome he wrote again may fifteenth it is a real pleasure to me to help you a little in the great work i know no other way in which my time can be made equally useful he frequently saw sir charles wood on matters which she urged and he won what was almost her highest praise lord stanley she said is a splendid worker his cool common sense was perhaps a wholesome antidote sometimes to her almost feverish eagerness publicity he said august seventeen will in the long run do what we want people won't stand being poisoned when they know it the annual reports from the presidencies obtained by miss nightingale some years later were submitted for her observations and in many other ways as we shall hear it was remarkable how close a touch upon the course of sanitary reform in india was maintained by this lady from a bedroom in mayfair but essentially miss nightingale's work was that of inspirer and pioneer these chapters will have shown i think that a compliment paid to her by the chairman of the indian sanitary commission was no less true than graceful lord stanley to miss nightingale james's square july twenty five eighteen sixty four i don't wonder that the delays of the savage tribe should try your patience and i admire the more the care and success with which you keep outward show of annoyance to yourself i'd rather be criticised by any one rather than you i am only passing through town to-day there being nothing left to do but shall be again in this place on thursday and ready to wait upon you if any matters want settling if not i can only wish you health success is sure to come and beg that you will remember the value of your own public service and not by overwork endanger its continuance pray excuse a caution which i am sure i am not the first to give every day convinces me more of two things first the vast influence on the public mind of the sanitary commissions of the last few years i mean in the way of speeding ideas which otherwise would have been confined to a few persons and next that all this has been due to you and to you almost alone in one of many moments of vexation at the delays of the savages in their red tape miss nightingale wrote thus to captain galton june twenty three eighteen sixty four the horse guards say that they were quite aware of sir john lawrence's application and of the delay but that it is sir j lawrence's one and only object of interest while it is one out of a thousand of the war offices they ought to have the v c for their cool intrepidity in the face of truth i have told sir j lawrence of the opinion of these dining-out fray as to his hard work and i think i shall publish it after my death but unlicked cubs as she said at scutari grow up into good old bears and it is not in order to pay off a score against the puppies that i quote this letter behind the remark which excited miss nightingale's righteous anger there was an element of unconscious truth and it is one which sums up this and the preceding chapter it was indeed an ignorant untruth to say that sir john lawrence had no other work or interest than the promotion of sanitary improvements for the army in india and it would be untrue also as later chapters will show to say the same thing of miss nightingale yet it made all the difference for the promotion of that work in india that there was at the head of affairs a man whose heart and soul were in it and at home it made all the difference that there was one resolute will combined with a clear head determined to give impetus and direction to the work it was probably quite true to say that to many perhaps to most of the men at the war office and the horse guards this question of army sanitation in india appeared as only one out of a thousand questions to miss nightingale it was in a very literal and instant sense a matter of life and death and it was her passionate conviction that supplied the initiating and driving force which compelled reform if the governor-general of the time had been hostile or apathetic even her persistence might yet have been foiled but as things were the cooperation between sir john lawrence and florence nightingale was as beneficent in its results upon the welfare of the british army in india as the cooperation between her and Sidney herbert had been in the case of the army at home end of setting reformers to work Continued, four and five.